This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. Okay, we're here from Beyond the Bell Tower with Bradford. We are excited to have him. Bradford, for this podcast, first, do you want to tell us about yourself, especially what you think is important for students to know about you? Oh, for sure. So, yes, uh, my name is Bradford Hill. Uh, I'm an academic success coordinator here with TRIO SSS programs. Uh, my background is I'm a licensed therapist. Uh, I got my master's in clinical mental health counseling from UNC Pembroke in May of 2016. So just last year. And uh, I'm a Raleigh native. Uh, I did my undergraduate studies at North Carolina A&T. And uh, I'm really excited to be here. I'm really thankful that you gave me opportunity opportunity to come up here and talk. Oh, no, Bradford, we're excited. We get to get the dish on you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you I'm get to talk about to stuff that we may not be able to hear in a workshop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I could be a little bit more candid yeah. on here, so that's fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, this may help people who are nosy. <laughs> Do you right, know what it's right. like? I want to ask you that, but I'm not really sure how to bring it up. Oh, for sure. I, so, I accept all nosy questions. Yeah, okay. I don't think you should have given me permission <laughs> to do that. <laughs> but you're an adult. You uh, just made your own. <laughs> you yes. decided yes. to say that. Now, today we're going to focus on mental health. Can you, what's your definition of mental health? Like, how should we, like, when we were talking today about mental health, like, wh- what do you mean? Yeah, so from my perspective as a counselor, I would define mental health as your mental well-being. So uh, how you feel, uh, how you, like your body's reactions, like how are you? A lot of times I think when we say mental health, we kind of like think of like the brain and think about the head. But to me, it's more so your body. Um, Your body is like the telltale signs your body gives you the telltale signs of what's going on. So like when you're stressed out, uh, whether you're sweaty palms or you have back pain or shoulder pain, things like that, those are extensions of mental health for me. So I know that if my body is tight and I'm just not feeling well, uh, I'm feeling tired, lethargic, I know that mentally I'm probably not in a good place and I need to do some uh, introspection and kind of see what's going on. So that's how I uh, define mental health. Your mental well-being, but then also get your whole your whole body in general yeah because it's all connected absolutely yeah 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 for sure now how did you first think of mental health like when you came to college right uh Mm -hmm. so when i first came to college when i first got to a and t um as a freshman i thought of it more so just like 
are you crazy or not? So it was especially not having, so I knew I wanted to major in psychology, but it wasn't so much that I wanted to go into counseling. So kind of the the stereotypical norms or the perceptions of mental health is just, are you okay or are you not? Do you have things going on or don't you? So like I had a very, uh, I would say stereotypical, uninformed opinion of mental health before I got the proper education. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like that more dramatic. Like you're okay and then it's only 7% of the population that's crazy. Right, absolutely. And it's like that dramatic. Absolutely. So it's like, hey, are you feeling all right? Okay, cool. And then, you know, if you're not, you know, what's going on? Yeah, it's like a big deal. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, why did you decide to major in psychology? So I knew that I wanted to go the psychology route when I was probably a junior in college. Um, I had a really good mentor who was a physician and kind of uh, steered me down that road. So I was really lucky to have like an adult, uh, aside from my parents, who who was a professional who could kind of guide me and give me career advice. And um, I was always interested in just like the brain and how it worked and uh, reactions and emotions and things like that. So I knew psychology was the route I wanted to go. I just didn't know what route I wanted to go with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's interesting because gender-wise, the stereotype is usually that more females go into the helping profession. Did you sense that at all? Or am I making stuff up? Oh, no, no, no. You're you're, you're actually factual. (laughs) Uh, I remember in my psychology classes um, in undergrad, it was probably uh, three to one as far as uh, male or female to male ratio. So the males, we were always outnumbered in classes and even in high school too. So yeah, I knew that I was getting into more of a female dominated field and like that never bothered me. Uh, I was always comfortable in my own skin and I always, uh, I always felt good in those environments. I didn't feel like ostracized or anything. I always felt like I could like say my opinion and it was really good for me, especially as a 19 and 20 year old, hearing other people's perspectives and more so hearing the perspective of women at a at kind of that developmental uh, space I was in. So mm-hmm. I could kind of like hear things from like a different uh, worldview, a different perspective. And that kind of like helped shape the way I thought like, oh, OK, like I never reconsidered really it from that point of view. That really helped like open my mind up. Yeah, because it's important to have that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that intense experience in a classroom. Yeah, when you're... Um, like they may have been dominating the conversation, sure. I guess. So you knew more. Mm-hmm. And one thing uh, to that point, I didn't. That's when I realized how much of what I learned and what I learned to that point was male dominated. Uh, I I kind of thought about like I had like uh, woman teachers, but I didn't like really hear uh, my peer female perspective a lot until I got to college when they had the space to kind of speak freely and speak openly and like give their opinion in like a education a higher education setting it mm-hmm. was so, it was so much different from high school but that was really the first point where I realized oh wow I've never really heard this perspective before and it was really refreshing for me well that's good yeah and, and that probably helped you in kind of your definitions like say with mental health from like a different gender perspective oh yeah absolutely absolutely because most of us think like well my definition is stressed 
you know, and then I think, mm-hmm. well, of course, your definition of stress must be the same way. Right. And it's not. We're no. really good about putting our personal values on other people and putting <laughs> our experiences on other people. Like, if I feel this way, like, why wouldn't yeah. you? And then you say something different. It's just like, oh, I've, mm-hmm. I've never, I've never even considered that. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that actually makes me think. So, yeah, when you're a student and you come onto campus for the first time and people are talking about things and or you're having experiences. So, like, when do you actually take the risk of saying, you know, like it looks like everybody else is having a great time at college, but I'm freaked out. Right. You know, it's like, how did you I mean, did you have that experience and you had to figure out like for your own perspective or did you see other people doing it? Like saying I'm stressed out and I need help or right. So it was it was an interesting perspective for me because uh, my friends we were all in different majors and all of our majors had different requirements and um, in psychology like to me honestly it wasn't overly challenging to where I felt like I had like a lot of pressure on me like, like academically was, challenged. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I started feeling stress honestly uh, closer towards graduation so like just like some back background information uh, I graduated in four years but I didn't want to like I wasn't ready to graduate like I wasn't ready to leave mm-hmm. and then um, was that I, socially or it was both professional both. Like, I, did, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and I would I just didn't feel ready and then I met with my advisor and she was like, oh, okay, you know, you're out of here. And I was like, really? <laughs> I don't want to go. Um, yeah, and it, it was really Don't this, make me go. It was the weirdest feeling because um, everybody in my family was excited and then I wasn't. And I was like, because I, I, I wanted to graduate in December. Like, I was cool with staying for an extra, se- extra semester. Mm-hmm. And so when I found out that I was graduating in May, and this was in like late March, March, April, I'm like, wow, this is, this really throws me off track because I wasn't planning for it. And that's when I started feeling stressed. Um, I noticed that my skin was breaking out. My forehead was breaking out a lot. And I started thinking, okay, so what's next? Um, how well, do I get? Yeah. Well, sorry for interrupting, mm-hmm. but that's the piece too, is like, you're supposed to be excited about graduation, right, right. you know, and here you weren't. I mean, I don't for know if sure. that was and part of it. I, I taught the sure. students and like, it's the it's the funniest conversation. It was and it's funny in the sense that I can relate because I was I graduated college in 2013, so I can relate. Like this past semester, when I'm talking to students and I'm asking about graduation, and it's just like the, uh, you know, the big sigh. I'm like, yeah, like I I know where you're coming from. I think the general expectation socially is you're supposed to be excited, you're ready for the real world, and everything like that. But like the real world is tough, and um. Yeah, it's like school stressful. Leaving school is stressful. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have, you have all of the issues that come with being an independent adult. I've always looked at school as like a safety net. Like you're, it's it's a a gradual process to getting out into the real world. But there's certain things that you just don't have to concern yourself with. Mm-hmm. And when you remove that safety net, you're kind of just exposed to everything that comes along with being just an adult. 
and uh, I, w- I definitely didn't feel ready for it at all. So that's where I started feeling like some stress and getting less sleep and uh, just kind of st- staying in my room. And I remember like isolating, man. Yeah. yeah, definitely isolation. I remember just staring at my ceiling like, wow, like what is next? I really don't know. And I think the biggest part of it is playing it off to my friends like I'm OK, like I am excited. I have things under control when in reality I didn't. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big part of it. Yeah. So do you think that hurt you um, like to pretend like what should you have done? In retrospect. Like, yeah. Putting up a front or what you in retrospect, it would have been beneficial to go talk to a counselor on campus. That mm-hmm. would have been the most helpful thing for me. But it was kind of like emotionally, I was on two different levels. So when I was with my friends, I was just normal. I was, cause I'm a, I'm a laid back guy. I joke around a lot. So I'm doing those things when I'm, when I'm with my friends. And then when I'm like, go to my apartment and I'm at home, I'm just quiet and I'm kind of like in my room. I'm to myself. I'm not as social when I'm alone. So I'm not texting as much. Um, like I was in a group chat with all my friends. I'm not contributing to the group chat. I'm kind of just like to myself. And the thing that I remember the most is I remember talking to my dad and we're talking about graduate school and like looking up the requirements and everything like that because I was kind of late on the process and I just couldn't make myself do it. I would like go to Google and type in a school and see like their their uh, deadline had already passed and I would just give up. So uh, it was just it was kind of like it was kind of paralyzing in a sense. Like it's being so stressed that I couldn't, I didn't have the energy to do research that was going to benefit me. Yeah. I think that's one of the most like invalidating things, you know, when you get advice, it's like, well, just do it. Right. Just Google it. Just look it up. Just email them. Right. (laughs) You know? And so when somebody tells you that and you just can't do it, it's, it's okay. You know, so what should you, like, what would you advise a student to do now? Like our incoming seniors, you know, rising seniors, it's like, you know, you are going to have days where you just can't do even the most basic tasks and you can't explain why. Right. Exactly. Uh, Like I would, I would recommend, I feel like all seniors, especially when you're on campus and it's free, um, if you're comfortable with it, like going to talk to somebody and not even so much if it's a counselor, but if it's just somebody in your field or if it's an adult, a professional that you trust, having some of those conversations because I think generally it's like, well, like the the average comment towards, okay, well, if it's going to benefit you, why don't you just do it? Like, what's so hard? Like, just mm-hmm. go do it. And there's like, kind of like a lack of empathy to like the situation that the students are going through because there's so much pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so many things to take into consideration. And it takes energy to get on my laptop and go into Google and look up dates and look up GRE, like what I need for the, what score I need for the LSAT and the GRE and all these other things. I, like that takes 
takes energy and that's mental energy that when you're stressed and you're anxious, you have less of and you're not as willing and you're not as uh, enthusiastic about those things. So definitely talking to somebody, uh, even if it's not a counselor, but just sometimes when you verbally get these feelings out, it kind of helps. And even if it helps by like three or four percent, like that's a that's a positive. But definitely communication is is huge because you you want to you want to have somebody a, a group of resources that can help you out in that situation or at least just listen to you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now what has been your experience seeking help like counseling mental health for help? sure uh so my last year in graduate school in pembroke we were advised uh, for before we left to go work with people as a therapist in the field that we need to seek out counseling for a is free and b we need to know what it's like to be on the other side of the conversation we need to have an understanding and a empathy for the client whether it's a student or whether it's an adult so I actually I went through a really bad breakup in 2015 and yes 2017 now so yeah I went to a, a bad breakup in 2015 and on top of that I'm going into my last year of graduate school so I'm getting ready to take the national counselor exam and I'm trying to find okay like what's next now I'm really out I now I'm really losing my safety net um, there's no yeah more that's sp- like a perfect storm <laughs> right right you know it's right. like personal life is in case chaos crisis is not stable and then academic and professional life is you know it's like what if I pass this test what if I don't you know right for sure like you don't have any stability like there's no um what's the word like constants you know there's nothing going on that's like I know for sure everything is going to be okay. Right. There was no assurance at all. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going through, so I was feeling so much. And I remember just feeling really numb. I, I felt really, I was going to the gym after I would uh, leave like my internship and I would go home and like, that would be it. Like I wasn't leaving the house again. I just felt really numb. And I seeked out a therapist on campus. And it was interesting because to be honest, our first interaction did not go well. It did not go well at all. And did she was, meet the scary stereotypes of man, like? Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So like, so for full disclosure, yeah. I, I'm an African American male. Uh, I'm 26, so like I'm a younger African American male. So at this time, I'm 24, 25, and even though I'm practicing and, and studying to be a therapist, like I'm still, I still carry some of the cultural values that come from being raised in an African-American household and uh, historically our attitudes towards counseling is our we will not trust uh, the, the other person so we won't trust a counselor enough to open up and uh, have, open up that therapeutic relationship we're, we're more closed off uh, more reserved in the African-American community we rely more on the church than we do on outside resources or we rely more on family more than outside resources so my first expect my expectations going into it even though I was studying to be a counselor I still took some of those 
those cultural uh, values that I learned growing up into it. And the first experience was did not go well. And um, but what I knew. Ha- oh yeah, what happened? Oh wow, so uh, man, so I I showed up and she was late. Uh, so she was. I remember the appointment was for nine thirty, and it was like nine forty three or forty four. Yeah. yeah, she wasn't there. So you have uh, me sitting there, a young African American male, and then my counselor is a, is an older Caucasian female, and then already all of the the preconceived notions, the things that I know better than the thing, are coming full force. Uh, so she finally gets to me, and then I have to go do an intake. Uh, fill out a questionnaire for intake and so already like we're late and then I have to take some time I just want to go ahead and get off what I have on my chest but then I have to go fill out this paperwork and it was just a a bad experience and it actually got worse because after that the second time I was supposed to show up uh, she forgot that we had she was either overbooked or something like that so the first two times uh, did not go well and why did you keep going I felt like I needed it oh, okay. I felt like I needed it I knew that it was I kind of felt like I was being tested to be honest because I knew what I was going through I knew what I was going home with every night and in my internship um, so when you're studying to be a counselor you have to get a certain number of hours of direct uh, contact with students or with clients but in my case students because I was working on campus and I knew that I was trying really hard to focus during session but I knew that I needed to deal with what I had on my head um, so and what I had in my heart so so that was the thing was hard for you to even do your job as oh, yes. a therapist yeah, oh yeah absolutely it was a great test of uh, my professionalism because in between like during the session I was fine but afterwards everything that I'm that I have going on comes right back so I would get a reprieve for like 45 minutes to an hour depending on the session and then after that when I'm doing case notes that's when it's coming back like man it's yeah, this Yeah, you can't turn it on and turn it off. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. And our our minds are, our minds think, like, that's what they're programmed to do. So thoughts are going to, it's kind of like a faucet, like the water, the the faucet is always running. And you can't really turn that off. You can't control it. So I knew that I needed to talk and communicate with somebody. And it was either get a new counselor or try to talk to somebody else or just give up and say, hey, I tried which is the common kind of, well, you know, I gave it a shot, you know. And mm-hmm. I, this I was did. her fault. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. And it would have been easy in, in my sense to kind of blame it on her, but um, I was kind of looking at it like, man, I'm an adult and I need this. And also it's free. So <laughs> I need to take advantage of this before I have to pay for it. Yep. So then how was the third visit? So the third, we had a... A really honest conversation. I told her how I felt about the first two times not going well. Uh, I kind of felt my experiences kind of felt invalidated because she wasn't there and she was. I didn't feel like she was professional in the way that she approached it. To be honest, mm-hmm. so we had a very very clear uh, conversation because she knew my background. She knew I was studying to be a counselor, so we could have really open conversation about. You know, we were very transparent, but we we talked about that, and I remember 
where she said um, she can't guarantee that she won't disappoint me again. But if I give her an opportunity, she'll try as hard as she can to do her job to the best of her ability. Something to that extent. Mm-hmm. And, I and said, you were okay, okay with that? And I, I was okay with that. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Oh, was to stick with her? Was to stick with yeah. her because yeah. uh, it turned out what I was there for, uh, she had a similar situation, so she could empathize with how I felt and she could empathize with what I was going through, even though culturally we couldn't be more different. Uh, age-wise, we couldn't be more different. And uh, she was, she, I felt as though she understood and that was, that was huge for me to be able to kind of let my guard down and just be transparent and be open. So do you think you're, because when you had said that you had the, the stereotype of her being older white woman, do you think those stereotypes changed? Like, were you correct in those stereotypes or what did you... Uh, like, what did you learn from her, or what were you surprised, or how did your worldview change? Yeah, so my worldview sense? definitely changed in a sense because my my issues that I had uh, from the relationship that really really affected me, uh, I. I, like I wasn't in the wrong in the situation and kind of sort like so in just in general like when there's a breakup guys usually side with the guy and, and women usually side with the woman that's just kind of like gender like you know you stick with your gender and she was really really understanding and she she saw it from both perspectives but I never felt as though she was uh, jockeying to be on my side and then also she wasn't jockeying to be on the other side because she's a woman she was really neutral but I never felt judged I didn't feel like she uh, had pre- well, I, I felt she had preconceived notions when I came in but the more that I talked and the more that we opened up uh, I felt like those things kind of went away so like she gets over my perspective to you know especially with gender uh, well, being a woman, you know, she could empathize with what a young man was going through, a young man who was dealing with heartbreak, because that's, that's how I felt. My heart mm-hmm. was broken, and she was there, and she could, like, uh, she was there to listen to me and offer uh, just, like, an ear and, and healthy communication, and that was huge. Mm-hmm. Now, did um, race ever come up? Like, you are just talking about the gender kind of difference that you know didn't end up really being a problem mm-hmm. now with the def- the difference with age and race did that pose a problem or did it, you deal with that or how I, did you handle that i definitely brought it up in our first conversation about how i felt about with the first two sessions not going well and not really happening um so yeah i'm so me personally i'm open about everything so like it's no problem for me to talk about race it's no mm-hmm. problem for me to talk about gender and, and age and things of those natures so for me i definitely brought it up but from her standpoint uh she didn't she didn't really go in depth with it she acknowledged it which is mm-hmm. the, the healthy professional thing to thing to do Mm -hmm. Uh, acknowledge that it's a factor acknowledge that it's there but she didn't she didn't focus her I think the way that she talked with me she didn't focus that around me being a black male Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because what do you think she should have done professionally and personally 
so so professionally i think that uh, she handled it i think that she handled it well i think i think a big part of of counseling and working with people from different demographics is acknowledgement and she did that from the jump she well not i wouldn't say so i can't give her a hundred percent credit because i kind of helped in that sense Mm -hmm. but i felt as though she she handled it appropriately well and i think as a client like going you know it's part of it's your responsibility right, too, right. and kind of letting them know like this is what I want right. and you need to you know do it right absolutely I think that's that's a big kind of misnomer about counseling because it can be intimidating you walk in and you see like the plaques on the wall of whatever the the counselor has has achieved and it can be definitely intimidating in a sense so it's kind of like especially if you don't want to be there or you're apprehensive about being there, it's really easy to just kind of go with the flow. So if the counselor says something, you're just like, yeah, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like shaking my head, like, of course, like I can do that. Uh, So a big part of like, when I work with people now, it's a a big part of communication is so like, how realistic does this sound to you? Like, does this sound like something that you can apply on like a random Tuesday or Wednesday? And if like, if so cool. And if not, I'm like, okay, well let's be honest and let's kind of like see like, what would work for you or what can you see yourself doing because it's really easy to just kind of just nod along and then not along with something that you're not comfortable with and never do it and you don't get anything out of the experience yeah because when you lie to your therapist (laughs) you're the only one that suffers (laughs) right which happens a lot right that is not rare because it's easy Mm -hmm. because it's easy to lie because it's either having a facade you you walk in there with a facade that everything is okay and you're just here just to make sure that everything is okay um but yeah like lying is not uncommon <laughs> um, and that's not and that's not good mm-hmm. uh, but it's really easy to do because the counselor doesn't know you so you can kind of uh, create a persona in that session of who you like want to be who you wished you were and the counselor will just kind of go along with it to a certain extent because they don't really know they're trusting you to be honest and it's easy to be not be honest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now like as a therapist on the other side is there anything anybody could say that would like make you freak out or judge them you know because don't you think that's why people lie it's like I can't let them think you know these things about me or I don't want to I'm too scared you know what their reaction will be is if I share you know this bomb you know or this major issue but as a therapist what is going to be your reaction if it's you know um kind of like something that a client would think was horrible like they could never share with anybody else right so uh i've i got some really good experience in college working um in the on the university working on campus so i heard some really uh disparaging some really hurtful things like i was able to be on the other side of students really giving some really harsh experiences you know telling about some things that were like really really bad um some of it their own fault and some of it not but personally for me uh so i'm a person-centered counselor um i practice non-judgment 
and unconditional positive regard, which is basically uh, whatever you're saying and whatever you're here for, whatever we're talking about, like, that's fine. Everything is fine. It's okay. Like, I care about you as a person and I have positive regard for you no matter what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So that that's just, that's a that's a part of my personality. Uh, so and then it's also something that when I was studying it, I, I found that that was what most closely aligned with like who I am naturally. So a big part of, of for me is being authentic and being myself and, and being transparent and open during session. And a part of me being transparent and open is whatever you bring is OK. Like, that's fine. Uh, I'm not going to judge you. That's not what I'm about because I've made mistakes in my past, too. So and I've been I've been in some very bad situations. So uh, for whether it's a student, whether it's an adult or whoever, whatever they bring to the conversation is fine. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's completely fine. And I'm here to listen and, and offer what offer a ear and, and offer uh, some transparent communication back but in the beginning especially when I was learning kind of developing and I'm still developing my skills by all means but especially in the beginning that was a that was a challenge of uh, your nonverbal reactions are huge so maintaining eye contact uh, active listening things like that are a big part of uh, helping the, the, the client feel more comfortable Thank you for joining Bradford and I on Beyond the Bell Tower. Keep listening to the second part of our conversation in the next episode. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about student support services at NC State.